Dr. Chris Podcast, Season 2. Hello, and welcome to the March episode of Leaning Out with Dr. Chris. Today is something a little bit different. As I go into plants right now in the world, as it stands, we are our supply chains are just broken, and they're broken bad. But I believe that they will fix themselves over time. You know, I we've been doing this a long time, and I remember 9-11, I remember 08, and I remember 2012. And what was different about those, I think, as it pertains to the supply chains is everything stopped. But everything started back up at the same time. In a matter of speaking, this pandemic has is, is kind of caused things to break down, but demand never stopped. I think in 08 and 2012, demand stopped, but demand never stopped. So we had the demand, but we didn't have the supply. We didn't have the production, and we did have the production. We don't have the supply. In my opinion, this would be a great textbook lesson on why we should compress our supply chains. But I don't know that we'll ever get there. But that's one problem I think that will work itself out over time. The problem that I am most concerned with as I'm dealing with supply chains and manufacturing facilities in the United States is the labor problem. I have not been to a plant in the last five years that that is not looking for people and can't find them. And this is kind of exasperated here lately in the in the last couple of years. I can remember when people couldn't find a machinist, and that was a big problem. But now we can't find anybody, and that's an even bigger problem. So in the in the vein of continuous improvement and trying to get better, the labor issue is what I'm most concerned about. So what does that mean as you work with factories and you work with people? I think it means we have to think about how we retain our people and take care of our people better than we have in the past. I'm not sure what that means. I'm, I'm not necessarily an HR guy, but I definitely see the problem. So my college roommate, who is an orthopedic surgeon, has come up with something pretty interesting. Now, it evolved from working with golfers, and you're going to hear that. He's going to be on here in just a moment. And I started talking with him about how he could use that process to, my thought was to offer more to employees to stay. And what it is, is he can, and you'll be able to hear the details, but he can scan employees to see where there's danger zones and how he can fix them before they get hurt on the job. And I guess there's lots of different side benefits to this, right? You've got an employee wellness plan. You've got employees not getting hurt. You may be able to see them before they get hurt. You may have some implications into workers' compensation costs. So there's a lot of different things to think about. I don't know if this is right, but I know we have to do something different. We we cannot continue to try to retain employees the way we have in the past. Because I don't know that we cared as much in the past because we could always get more employees. Now, you can't get more employees. 
So when I talk to somebody in a plant and they're wanting to hire someone, I first ask them, do you have anybody in the facility that comes to work every day, has a good attitude and wants to learn? Because if the answer to that is yes, that is somebody we need to be training, taking care of, and promoting up through through the organization. I think we're always wanting to go buy talent instead of developing our own. And every time you go to buy talent, it's an unknown quantity. When if you're running a good 12-step lean production system, there's no need to go get somebody from the outside because they're going to have to come in and learn your system. My belief, now this is Chris Harris's belief, my belief is that if you've got somebody that comes to work every day and they've got a good attitude, we should pour gas on that fire, right? We, we should figure out a way to give them more, give them what they can handle, let them, let them be promoted up through the organization. So don't know the answer to this one, but I do know we need to do something different. So on this podcast, this is my old college roommate, an orthopedic surgeon. I, I will be honest, if you would have saw us while we were in our dorm room, you probably wouldn't be thinking you'd be ever listening to a podcast with us on here. Of course, at that time, there was no podcast. So I hope you guys enjoy it. It's it's different. It's a different way of thinking, but that's some of what we need to do, especially as we move forward and to, to present different things on the podcast. I've had a lot of success stories. I've had a lot of uh, what people have done and what they've seen. This is different. So I hope you enjoy it. All right. We're here with Jason Hunt, affectionately known as uh, Gino by very few people. How many people call you Gino? Is it just me Almost and Gary? Almost none. Yeah, it might be you and Gary and maybe Evan Charles. How's that? Okay. And we should say hi to Gary Justice. Um, he'll he'll listen to this one. He's the, I guess, full disclosure, Gino and I were roommates in college, and we played baseball together at the University of Pikeville, which was then Pikeville College. And now a guy we played baseball with is the Dean of Admissions, Gary Justice, who would love to have your kid go to college there. No doubt. <laughs> He'll even build you a new dorm. There you go. Um, so let's start out. Same question as always. What's your favorite band or your favorite car? Yeah, so we'll go with favorite band. And it, I'm a live music junkie so i it changes from time to time but we just literally saw eric church in concert last weekend and it was amazing so he's he's got the top spot right now so now do you remember it this way the way that i remember when we roomed together whoever got back first got to turn on their music yeah and i was faster than you i don't know if my car was faster or you were just slower getting out so i usually got to turn my music on and we had very different tastes in music I would say that's that couldn't be more different. So if you got back now, you're you would either play Nirvana or Tupac. Yeah, Bones, Thugs, Harmony, like Biggie, you know, a lot of gangster rap. Yeah, and I would play country music. Yeah, like old school Hank Williams Jr., Vern Gosden type stuff, stuff that you typically wouldn't hear in a dorm room. I don't know. Frank Conley was the Vern Gosden guy, but I, I'll take the rest of it. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself, man? I know, but uh, so this would be a very different audience um, than you're used to. Um, yeah. So like you said, I, I went to, we went to school at uh, Pikeville College and I went to undergrad there, played baseball and 
my entire life, I didn't have any aspirations except to play baseball. And so when our last pitch of our last uh, year, the senior year, I decided I had to do something different than play baseball. So we started making plans on what to do. And um, a lot of people don't know this story, but I, I literally went to Hal Smith, who's the president of the college and like, hey, can I go to med school here? And he was like, what? That's not how this process works. You know, you got to take a test and there's like prerequisites. There's things you have to do. And I was like, well, you're the boss. Like, if you say I can do it, then I can do it. Makes perfect um, sense to me, man. Yeah. So started looking at like, what do I need to do to go to med school? And I took a job at Pikeville College as an admissions counselor so that I could take those prerequisites required for med school for that year and uh, and actually uh, get them paid for through the college. So took a job as a mission counselor to going all over the country, trying to recruit kids to come to Pikeville College and then Ended up going to med school and then after med school, went to Oklahoma City to do an orthopedic surgery residency. I was out there five years and then moved back to central Kentucky into Mount Sterling, Kentucky, Winchester area um, and joined a practice called uh, Integrity Orthopedics. So I was out there for a few years and then 2014 moved to Tampa, Florida, uh, where I've been here since then doing orthopedic surgery, sports medicine. Now, you're so cool. A couple cool things. One has nothing to do with the day, but you used to go on the radio and explain injuries in the NFL for fantasy football, right? Yeah, for sure. That was, that, I guess they call me the injury expert. So we would go in on Monday mornings and get your uh, rosters ready for people who got hurt that weekend and, and try to make you uh, bench some people or put some people back in your lineup. Was that a lot of fun? Yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun, but I, they never really – they were supposed to give me like uh, – toss up, you know, questions where I already knew the answers to on live radio and they would just throw something else in every time. So it was a little stressful when it comes to like, I don't even know how this person's injured and I have to sound like I know what I'm talking about. So um, that was fun. There was a guy, Ronnie, Ronnie and T-Kraz are the local radio guys. So I still stay in touch with them. They're awesome. That's cool, man. Uh, so the, the reason that I got Gino on here is, is we still talk a lot and he has had a lot of success, and, and when I say something wrong, you just jump in and say, but working uh -huh. with golfers and how he works with golfers, and then we were talking, and, of course, I'm in manufacturing plants all the time, and we've had discussions about utilizing that same methodology to help keeping our people from getting hurt. So can you tell us how you work with the golfers first, and then just tell us all about it? Yeah. So when I started a private practice here in 2017, we kind of come to the conclusion that I need to do something to differentiate myself uh, as a practice because there's a lot of orthopedic surgeons in Tampa. And so how are we going to get business? Where are we going to get patients from? So I decided to basically all on technology, like what is the best technology I could find that would help us to essentially return patients or athletes back to play faster or something that would just make us better as a practice. And we settled on a couple of pieces of technology. One's called a DARI scan, it's eight high definition cameras where we can capture uh, your skeleton, just like you would do if you were putting a suit on to make a movie. But this is a dotless version of that. And it gives us about 250 or 300,000 data points through a short scan that allows us to kind of analyze how the body moves. And I use that to find out how well golfers spine were rotating and found out that even though people were at, at an elite level and the professional golfers were performing fine. They still had restrictions in their spine and how it worked. And we believe that leads to further low back issues it became very famous when tiger gets hurt and has to have a spine fusion. So 
we believe that uh, those restrictions in the muscle skeletal system lead to injuries. And so then we had to find a solution. So if we measured and know that you're uh, restricted, what do you do about it? And so what we did was uh, partner with another company and we have this direct current electrical stimulation that's different than what people think of when you think of a TENS unit or e-stem that allows us basically to uh, get the desired results for restoring the range of motion in the spine for golfers. And then once we became very, I mean, it took about two years to design those programs and those protocols. So we would get behind the scenes and just scan as many golfers as possible and learn through that process. And then we got really good at it and would we could find same day results. Like people came in with restrictions and left with no restrictions and then started looking at like, well, what does that do for the general population? How could that help everyone? And uh, through those protocols we designed and using the technology, we kind of got to the point where anyone who has a high risk job or a repetitive job, we started looking at what are the risk factors of being injured at work? And then what are the wear and tear stuff that happens because of the nature of the work? And can we do something about it? Can we intervene before it leads to an injury? And with the data we have and the experience we have, became really confident that we were going to be able to, to show that and prove it because we can measure with the DARI scan, intervene with the electrical stimulation, then re-measure and see those changes in the same day. Really? So how do you make the change in the same day? Do you? you... Yeah, it's through the treatment. It's, it's, it's knowing that um, it's knowing what muscle groups are dysfunctional, which is what the DARI scan gives us some insight into, like where is the problem? And then it's having the knowledge and the skill with the electrical stimulation to, to unlock that puzzle basically, or put that puzzle together in a way that balances the muscle. So the body desires symmetry. Your spine should rotate the same to the left as it does the right. You should be able to move one arm back the same amount that you can move the other arm back. It's just the way our body was designed. Well, life in general makes that go away. And so if we can restore those symmetries, then your body functions at a higher rate and the chance of injury is much smaller. So the reason that I find this so intriguing, so let me talk about my world for a minute and then we'll merge the two together. So every plan I go to, every facility, they cannot find enough people to work. They're all hiring and they can't find people. So as I look at the the current supply chain that we have that's broken because of the pandemic, I believe that will fix itself over time. Sooner or later, the supply chain will get back out and they'll work. The problem that I find that I don't think is going to be fixed is the labor problem. So in my mind, as I'm I'm looking through this, companies, especially manufacturing companies, have to find a way to keep their people and keep them healthy. So that's why I was really intrigued with this. So let's say that you're working with an organization that has a lot of manufacturing people that do manual labor. The, The DARI scan can do what? It is essentially a, if it's done on a scale of all the employees, it basically gives you a, a dot on the scale of how healthy is your workforce and at what risk are they of having injury. So if we know based on the metrics of how the body moves, we can basically give your company a score and say on a scale of one to a hundred for a readiness to work scale, this is where your company sits. And then by getting that information through the DARI scans, we know it doesn't have to be company-wide. Then we know individual-wise who's at risk of of having an injury. So we can also 
find those people who are outliers in regards to the, the studies that we do with the Dari and say, you know, this is a group of people who are at a higher risk for a soft tissue injury or maybe a even an at work workers comp injury or something that is off uh, that can be corrected in their muscle skeletal system that normally would go undetected. So like if I came and scanned you today, you may find stuff that you don't know you have. Uh, you're living life and doing whatever. But then if you get to that repetitive motion, let's say you're working on a factory line and you do the same thing every day, that's going to become this nagging injury, then which becomes a real injury. We can find that before it happens and then intervene. So you got, you really have, I guess a, there's a lot of different positives. To this one would be if you, I guess my question to you is, do you foresee companies having a lower cost as it pertains to workers' compensation if they're part of this program? I think that's a that's the number one question people ask. And the short answer is yes, we perceive that that's the case. And it only makes sense that if you're functioning at a better level that you may not get those injuries. There's certain injuries that are not predictable and they're not due to asymmetry in your body and how you work. So those obviously will not be prevented. Like if, uh, if you're working at a construction site and a rock falls down on someone, you can't prevent that because your body moved well, but they're the ones that are preventable. And the, the injuries that we know are a result of repetitive motion and doing the same, uh, task over and over, then absolutely we can, uh, we can get those people into a lower risk category for work injuries. Then I, I would, I would, assume that you can do the same with new hires, right? When you, when you hire somebody, you can scan them and see what, how much, I guess, how at risk they are. Yeah. I mean, you, you run into a, a standpoint that if we can, if we can get a baseline when someone starts, then if anything starts to hurt or anything starts to seem out of the ordinary, that baseline Dari scan, we can always go back to and say, well, when you started work, this is how you moved. And now it's either the same different or worse than it was and we have something to base on and how to fix. And then there's some power in that in regards to, let's say you have a really high demanding job and it's really going to wear out your shoulders. There may be a training program that you need to go through before you go directly into, you know, pulling a hose off of a, a big rail or doing those things that are very labor intensive. If we can get people who are saying on a readiness scale of one to a hundred, if you're landing in the 50 percentile, well, let's do something to intervene before you just go to that really high demand job. And uh, we can provide that service and say, okay, now once we get you to 75%, then you're released to go do this really high risk activity. So there's a huge value in, in just sending out. And we've worked with companies before that have these just really labor intensive jobs and someone gets hired and goes through orientation. And in a week, they're just, they go right into it and they start pulling these hoses or, you know, pushing this massive amount of weight, which they may not be ready for that. Uh, but, but because of the labor shortage, and like you said, that we need workers to do that stuff, then we don't really have a choice in the current situation. Like you just got to get them to work. But I do think there's a way that we can intervene and make them more ready and then potentially uh, save a lot of money for the companies when it comes to workers' comp claims and time off work. The other component to it is, is if you keep your workforce healthy, they're happier. They're, they're more loyal to you and they, they also feel a sense of like you're doing something for them as well. And that there's a, there's a component to it that they care if you're, I mean, that the company cares that their employees are healthy and, that, and they're optimally functional.
I was, I, uh, work-life balance kept coming to my mind as you're talking. You know, if I can keep you healthy at work, you're healthier at home. I think that's probably the point you were making as well. Yeah, for sure. What does this program look like? So if a company signed up, because my, my view of this is, is companies have to figure out a way to keep their people. And this could be yeah. part of an overall employee wellness program for an organization that, that really does understand they need to keep their people. But what would that program look like kind of from start to two years in? Yeah, so it's a two-step process uh, for almost every company. And obviously, every companies have different needs and they have different budgets and they have different uh, uh, barriers that happen to keep people healthy. Uh, so it, it would definitely be customized to the company. But the first step by far is scanning all the employees through the DARI scan. So that's the first step of the program is let's scan the population, whether it's the entire population or a subset of the population to get an idea of like, okay, what is needed to get this workforce healthy? And then the second process would be a more long-term commitment for our services being either on site or readily available to intervene when it's needed, which means someone tweaks their shoulder and we have this baseline DARI scan. Now, what do we do to try to get this right before it becomes an injury? It's If it starts with a pain, can we intervene before that? So that may be a situation where we've scanned through the first step and then we've you know, executed a contract to be available on site or in the close vicinity. So when these workers uh, have an issue, they see us. And then that's where we talk about injury mitigation, where we take something that started small, intervene, and it doesn't become a big issue versus something you tweak your shoulder, you continue to do the same motion, continue to do the same motion. Maybe you take some ibuprofen and take it a couple of days off, but there was no really intervention that's going to prevent that to progressing to a big, uh, big injury. So that's the second component is giving a long-term relationship with OrthoLink's Performance Center and the company. So they work hand in hand in that injury mitigation component of uh, of their care. And it's it's something that the benefit that we have is no one's really been able to demonstrate in real time like we have that you can take a problem, fix it in real time, and then measure it and prove that you fixed it, that it's it's back to where it's supposed to be. So that's our competitive advantage as a company. And that's something that you know, companies haven't seen before. There's big budgets for in some companies for uh, corporate wellness, uh, for intervening on these type of injuries. But it's a lot of it has been, uh, you know, programs that if the employees will participate, then they can get a bonus or they can get some uh, dollars off of their healthcare cost. It's never really been to the same degree that we want to take it, which is we find the problems and fix them. And then do a maintenance program, essentially, that's uh, over time that we keep people healthy. So I got a question for you that that, I, that is, is kind of outside. Have you ever done any continuous improvement stuff in your office? Uh, only, you know, a long time ago, I read a book that had my name in it. I don't remember who wrote it. Somebody named Christopher Harris. And uh, it started tweaking about uh and I, you, I don't even know if you know this. Uh, the company that I had when I came to Tampa was called Kaizen Orthopedics. Really? And uh, so we came and it was literally the, the funniest story I have about that is I had a logo on. I was kind of in a, in a gas station, actually. And he was like, Kaizen, what is that? And I was like, you know, it's continuous improvement. And I was, didn't really get into it. And he was like, 
well, why don't you just do it right the first time? You don't really have to continually improve. And I was like, okay, I guess in orthopedic surgery, that's a valid point. <laughs> like we should do it right the first time. But yeah, so the short answer is, yeah, we, we, I'm literally trying to hack the system from day one, like to make things more efficient. And uh, I don't currently have a runner in my practice, but we probably need one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. So you're the second doctor in a row, I think. Well, so-called doctor, because I don't think you ever wrote a dissertation either, did you? Well, say I'm not. I'm not going to tell you how many uh, publications. And no, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So uh, no, you're you're exactly right. Uh, so second physician in a row. How's that? There you go. Second physician. Yeah, you're what my family would call a real doctor. <laughs> So as we kind of wrap this thing up here, the baseball lockout, man, what happens? Yeah, I mean, they end up having to play. Uh, so, you know, I think that it's just like any negotiation. It's give and take and nobody's wanting to budge right now, but I think we're pretty close. Uh, I mean, at the end of the day, players need to play and owners need the people in the stadium. And uh, I think we're, we'll probably get close and it's going to be, uh, I think the players are more bold this time than they were before in regards to what they're willing to uh, negotiate. And then, you know, I see the stuff that's going on with the PGA tour and this, you know, Saudi Arabia stuff and everybody on the PGA tour for golfers, because that's really the world I've been living in with athletes or golf. They're all independent contractors. They don't have a player's union. They don't, if you don't make the cut, you don't get paid, but you still have to pay for your hotel and your plane flight there. Yeah. So there's a, a situation where uh, eventually, you know, there's a lot of money in baseball on the major league level. And eventually the general public gets fed up with it. Like, okay, now these are spoiled brats and we're not going to follow. So, you know, I, I think both sides have to cave a little bit. And I think we'll see baseball here in about a month. You know what I think? I think everybody should start watching collegiate summer baseball, specifically in Springfield, Illinois. For the spring I think, lucky yeah, morning. I think that's a good plan, but we need the uh, U-Pike network there uh, with some broadcast uh, feedback so we can actually watch the game from Tampa, Florida. And I can't get up there in, uh, in Springfield and see enough, so we need these things streamed live with uh, yeah. we need uh, Gary Kevin, Kevin Justice on the mic there or something. We need uh, uh, Gary Justice, the voice of the Bears, to come yeah. on here at some point. Well, I think he has to, and I'm not, I'm not sure, but he, he at least has to do the intro to the podcast or something. Well, man, I appreciate you coming on. It's always good to talk to you. Um, I don't know, you know, I hope the companies start to rethink how they hold on to their employees. I, I find it interesting when I go and talk to them. They're always wanting to hire new people. And I ask them, do you have any anybody in this plant that comes to work every day with a good attitude? And they always do. And I'm like, why don't you train that person and take yeah. care of that one? It's a known quantity is much better than an unknown quantity. For sure. So, it's true in every industry. I mean, sometimes, you know, that's there's a high turnover in, in that world. And I think that if companies kind of initiate what we're doing, it's an extra, it's the ability to not hurt when you're working. That's, that's a benefit. You can be a little more happy uh, when you're coming to work if it doesn't hurt you to come to work. And then the other part is, is like literally look at the big picture and say, uh, we're, we're literally trying to take care of our employees and keep those that uh, are valuable to us. So I agree with you. I think that companies have to look at it from a different standpoint that, well, we learned in COVID, you can't just, just keep hiring new people because they're not available. So keep the ones that you have. 
Well, I'll let you I'll let you get off here, man. I understand. So ortho links, I'll put a link in the uh description. So uh what what's your contact info though? Is it ortholinks dot what is it? Yeah, ortholinks.com.org. Uh, Both of them go the same, but uh, the Performance Center uh, website is under construction. It's going to be Ortholinks Mobile because we have this big, huge van now uh, that all everything we did in brick and mortar is now done in our mobile van. So to be uh, to be released, but ortholinksmobile.com will be our go-to website for the Performance Center. Now, and I also, now that you got your logo in the background, I see the golfer is part of the tree and the tree is tied to a stake. You got it. I got it now. You got got it. it. Yeah. Sorry. He corrected me when we first got on that. I said, why is the golfer tied to the tree? Yeah. You think you tie the golfer to the tree because he played bad golf, but that's just not the case. So Gotcha. (laughs) So do you get to play any golf? None. Like I have a simulator here in the office. I have every piece of technology and tool I would need to be good at golf. And I, I play about every six months. Um, and then when you play every six months, your short game is pretty shady. So you quit wanting to play. <laughs> Do uh, you want to come play in the U-Pike scramble this year? I need to, but you got to give me those dates early instead of last time. I just get a picture once everything is all said and done. Which we so won, but we that's if I can ever get the president of U-Pike to talk to me about this, I want to file a formal complaint because if you tie – the alumni should automatically win. Not a flip. No, uh, you got to go back on the scorecard and see who birdied the first hardest uh, handicap hole. Is, oh, is that how it works? I mean, that's what I would do. Oh. Well, anyway, we did that too. <laughs> I don't know. Hey, thanks, man. I appreciate right, man. it. See yeah, for sure. This has been the Leaning Out with Dr. Chris podcast. We sure hope you enjoyed it. If you have any questions or you have any ideas for the show or you have a question you'd like for us to answer, please let us know. Send us an email at podcast at harrisleansystems.com. That's podcast at harrisleansystems.com. Also, feel free to check us out online at www.harrisleansystems.com.